and welcome to episode number 30 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast, the show that features original classical guitar compositions from around the globe. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales, glad to be with you again, doing a late night show tonight. I don't think I've done a late night show since the very first episode, meaning I'm recording this late at night. Actually, the very first episode, I didn't necessarily record that late into the night, but it was it was late-ish. You know, it was probably like 9 o'clock at night or so. Late for me, I guess. And uh, I recorded the show and prepared it, and then I spent like the next six hours trying to get it online. And so I was up all night that night, got it going. Since then, uh, the process has been refined quite a bit. It's much less stressful to get a show put out there, but this is the first time I've done one this late in a while, and uh, man, I've just been I've just been on a tear, and that's why I'm doing this late at night, at the very end of the month, trying to hurry and get an episode out there. It started with uh, I finally bit the bullet on a computer upgrade because. All of my software is old enough that, that if I update my computer, the software is not going to work, and so I need to pay and, you know, update my software as well, like my my recording software mainly. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a chunk of money I've been avoiding wanting to spend, but I finally did it. I, I put some, I installed some more memory into my computer, and I've got, I'm now running I was running Pro Tools 10, and now I'm on the current version of Pro Tools again. And, uh, man, it is running like butter. It is so smooth. Very happy. I also updated Finale to do some work on my compositions That <laughs> whenever I get to that. But uh, I had that going. I've been tearing the old soffit off my house and putting new soffit up and fascia. And uh, I've got about ha- half the house done, but it's just been a slow process and just time consuming. It's, you know, it's like I've, I'm squeezing it in after work, doing it on Saturdays. And so, yeah. And then uh, we also had a, a trailer. My wife has a work trailer. She's a farrier and the axle broke. I had to put a new axle on her trailer earlier this week. I've just had a hard time getting an hour to sit down and do the podcast, so that's what's going on with me, but here we are, going to get it done in time uh, to get a May episode up. Now, there may not be a June episode. As of now, the plan is to, uh, I want to do my interview with Christian Heim, I'm still very much looking forward to that. Uh, I've emailed Christian about setting up a time I haven't heard back yet. But the the goal was June. If we have to push it back to July, uh, assuming Christian can do that, it might be that way. And so if there is no episode in June, it's because I just may not have a chance to do it. I'm, I'm going to take some vacation time. Um, I'm going to be gone for a little while. And then I have purchased my spectator passes to the disc golf world championships that's right i'm gonna be there and i'm so looking forward to that i was a little hesitant because last time i went to watch professional disc golf it was free 
uh, this time it, it you actually had to pay for a spectator pass but I mean it's the world championship nothing wrong with them uh, charging in my opinion to go and it's actually a pretty cool package because not only can you spectate during the entire tournament you get a commemorative disc which I'm very excited about uh, it was something I was going to hopefully find and I was going to buy one when I went but this comes right with the ticket so I'm taking my my daughter uh, she's 12 she loves watching disc golf she loves to play disc golf and she wants to go and I was like okay she's coming I also introduced her just recently to Friday the 13th and that was fun she loved it she requested it she finally said I want to see Friday the 13th we did a guided watch I had to have her close her eyes a little bit you know for some of the more adult parts we had to kind of skip over but overall the original Friday the 13th is pretty tame she loved it and I, I was it just made me so happy and proud she immediately wanted to watch part two so she's suddenly getting super into horror movies and that's been fun so we're gonna go see the disc golf worlds I have no idea who I think is gonna win I'd love to see uh, Ricky Wysocki get his third uh, that guy's awesome and he plays really well in Utah you know I'd love to see Paul Macbeth I'd love to see any of them I mean disc golf's just cool okay I'm going to move straight on to some email, and we'll play some music and call it a show. I don't want to ramble too long about my little things in life. The first email is from friend of the show, Scott Niebauer. He writes, Hey, Chris. Hey, I hope you and yours are doing well. Just an interesting tidbit for you. I was watching a Netflix show called Louder Milk, in which the main character purchases an Andre Segovia record, to give as a gift to a girl he likes and I thought of you <laughs> it was just pretty funny and interesting to watch that from a classical guitarist point of view they thought it would be an appropriate gift for this girl because it was the most obscure album they could imagine <laughs> lol and I'm like uh, no Segovia is one of <laughs> Segovia is the most well-known of classical guitarists in history also they mentioned that he was the first guitarist to ever put nylon strings on the guitar, which I know cannot be true. Just funny. Anyway, enjoying the podcast as always. Thanks for keeping it going. As for some Grateful Dead songs being better than others, I feel funny about admitting that. Deadheads are so very forgiving of their favorite band. Out of the 500 songs they played, only less than 200 were originals. All the rest were covers. Does that help excuse maybe one or two of those covers Bobby sang? <laughs> I know what you mean about the Brent songs, and I'll say this. I used to feel that way, but I have found his songs to truly be an acquired taste, and now I can say I really love every Brent song. It's like once you can get past how they sound and take them on their own terms, they just really hit home for me. Cheers, Scott. Okay, I gotta talk about the Grateful Dead thing right away. Um, I kind of get a little elbow jab in the last episode. I'm kind of that way too, Scott. Originally, I found Brent Midland's original songs just so... Uh, they're just such a contrast to the 
rest of the dead catalog and his voice is it's kind of a contrast to the the grateful dead sound it's loud it's jarring overall the brent years i think i'm i'm kind of back and forth on this but it's arguable to me that they are the best years of the grateful dead i know uh, you feel that way scott i mean the dead in the 80s were really on at least through a lot of the 80s and I'm kind of that way, so I've, I've really come around to the song Tons of Steel. I just, I love Tons of Steel. Um, I love Blow Away. And, yeah, I'm, a, I'm pro-Brent. I'm a Brent fan. And I, I remember uh, I was listening to Grateful Dead Radio one time, and this guy had called in, and they were talking about, about Brent Midland. And he talked about in the 80s they used to take what they called Brent breaks. <laughs> and this was terrible. But... It, like you know when Brent would sing they'd be like all right we can go to the bathroom but the guy the guy who called in and was saying this was looking back and saying we really didn't appreciate Brent in his time and he was great and uh the Grateful Dead suffered a huge loss when Brent Midland died so I I have a lot of fun with my favorite band but I love them and even my lesser favorite songs I still love you talk about some of the covers I think my least favorite stuff that you'd get from the dead is just a lot of the Bob Dylan covers and <laughs> I, not to put those songs down I mean I love Bob Dylan I love those songs but they take up a good chunk of show sometimes and I would actually want to hear more Grateful Dead rather than a Dylan cover but uh, I I love my favorite band and I make fun of them with with it's it's kind of like a self-deprecating humor for me because I love them so much. I'm aware of their flaws. Uh, you know, friends and, and family like to point them out and make fun of them, and it's like, yeah, yeah. But they are the greatest band in history, and there's no other band like them. I think there's a lot of bands who have tried to be, but just no one matches the songwriting of The Grateful Dead and and the sound. Scott, I'm, I'm curious if you've ever read uh, Phil Lesh's book, Searching for the Sound. I really liked that. I read it a long time ago, and a long time ago, like whenever it came out, it was, I don't know, 15 years ago. Um, and I really liked that book. In it, Phil talks about uh, what would have been their last album had Jerry not died that they were preparing to record. And a lot of those songs The Grateful Dead played, that album would have had songs like So Many Roads, Liberty, uh, Karina... I think it would have been probably their greatest album, and it's a shame that it never, never happened. But essentially, what would have been the whole the album is all available in live recordings. But that is a really interesting book, and you know, that's another one where Phil Lesh, uh, kind of like the Brent thing, it used to drive me nuts when Phil Lesh sang, um, you know, post Jerry's death. I never got to see the Grateful Dead live. I was just a little too young. I didn't start going to concerts till a little bit after Jerry died, and I never saw them. I've seen every version of the Dead post Jerry, which none of them are the same. None of them are the Grateful Dead, but there's been better than that. I I really enjoyed the 2004 lineup when they were actually the last time they really were the Dead, doing a full tour. And they had like Warren Haynes with them and Jimmy Herring. 
and uh but but when phil would pop in and sing and he you know i guess what i'm trying to say is phil has sung a lot post jerry well now i it used to drive me nuts when phil sang but now i actually when i listen to recordings of phil singing i really like when phil sings anyway also uh, regarding that show louder milk that is really hilarious the segovia thing and i looked the show up and i actually i think i'm going to give this show a try uh whenever I get around to starting the next series to watch, because this this sounds fun, and I at least want to see this episode. But the whole concept of the show sounded fun to me. So anyway, thank you very much, Scott, for writing in, and it's great to hear from you, man. And one more uh, (laughs) thing of the the self-deprecating Grateful Dead humor. My all-time favorite joke is how many deadheads does it take to screw in a light bulb? And the answer is none. They just wait for it to burn out and follow it around for 30 years. <laughs> but you and I know that light bulb never burned out. Just a funny joke. All right, the next email comes from Martin Slater. It's always great to hear from Martin. And uh, we heard a couple of Martin's pieces in the previous episode. He says, Chris, I have come upon another technical conundrum. Namely, I have been trying to include my latest recordings in a CD, but they refuse to transfer. There is a peculiarity in that even though they play on my devices, they do not register a track, timing, or length, as if they are somewhat ghostly. There and yet not there. I have been fiddling all over the place with properties, and they say they are MP3s, but are not registering normally. Is it a fact that the voice recorder does not automatically say the file has been saved as mp3 but at the same time it is not clear what it actually is whatever it is there is an incompatibility problem somewhere that i cannot identify another issue for parker apart from that we're supposed to be getting back to some degree of social sanity which for me means actual attendance at my local football team's last home game of the season and we can even have a cup of coffee in the coffee shop, but at the same time we now have the threat of the Indian variant of COVID-19. As the vaccine rollout is still going well, however, (laughs) we are praying that our dear Prime Minister has not let the barn door swing open yet again. In the meantime, I am still trying to memorize things between my runs and my family's frequent appeals of, can you take me here or there and do this or that, and increasingly having to remind my mother of unexpectedly simple things. I do accept the situation, but it does rather disturb the continuity of musical thought. I think it is down to no longer having a fixed schedule to life imposed by employment, meaning I really must try and devise one of my own. The one thing I have managed to complete is the rescoring of Rustic Rondo to clarify and include my new amendments, which I am sending for your library. All the best, Martin. Thank you, Martin. It's great to hear that uh, you're able to move about a little more and, and get some life happening again. I hope you're able to make the football game, and it's just great to hear that, that things are improving there overall. I wish your mother the best and your family as well. And then regarding uh, the technical issue, my immediate thought was let's try a wave file. So I just quickly converted those mp3s that we used in the show to WAV files which should transfer to a CD I think so 
uh, Martin, let me know if those worked. And if not, we could also try a, a new MP3 just converted. So let's let's see if that works. And thank you for the scores added to my library. That's that's fantastic and much appreciated. And our final email comes from. I'm going to attempt the last name. I don't remember how it's pronounced, but final email comes from Justin Baraniak from Winnipeg, Canada. He writes, Hi Chris, first off, congratulations on your new cedar top. I'm really excited for you and look forward to hearing it. On the topic of reverb from the last show, I'm trying to get the right balance of reverb on recordings of my compositions. I'm truly taken back by your recordings of the American Suite which I have just purchased the sheets, by the way, and I'm wondering if you would care to share any production tips. I don't recall if this has been brought up before, but did you record it in a studio, hall, or church? Did you use any reverb plugins, or are there any you could recommend? I'm experimenting with reverbs in Logic Pro X and would appreciate any suggestions you may have. Also, here we are at episode 29, Thanks for all the work you've put into the show. Stay safe, my friend. Justin Braniak from Winnipeg, Canada. Thank you, Justin. And thank you very much for purchasing that sheet music. I really appreciate that. And I guess I'll just take a moment to do my commercial here in that a great way to support the show and get a little something in return is to go to classicalguitarcomposers.com, click on the link that says that says sheet music and a few of my pieces are there available for purchase it's a great way to support the show if you buy the American suite you can easily learn how to play the theme from the show it's located in the first movement I'll go through this uh, setup the mic that I used to record both the American suite and the graveyard suite is a Samson CO1 studio condenser and it's the same mic that I am using to record my voice right now and I place it to my right probably two feet from the guitar above it tilted down at an axis so it's probably height wise the mic is probably near my shoulder and then it's just on an axis tilted you know down toward the guitar and I like it up higher like that uh, you don't want to go too high but just kind of up in that area you lose the real muddy low frequencies that get in the way but you still you know you can still catch your bass and all that your guitar is going to sound full but uh, you <laughs> someone told me uh, when I was like a teenager to mic low and it was terrible advice. I don't, I do not recommend miking guitars low because you just get this mud, uh, and you you get some of those thunks into the mic. And then I just, you know, I'm not in a studio. I'm in just my basement. I I did, you know, got the room as quiet as I could. I always turn off like the air conditioning when I record. Just get the room as quiet as possible, and. You know, a condenser mic will pull the sound from farther, but it'll also pick up more of your room. 
And so it's, I just sort of found a balance where it wasn't picking up too much of the room, but I didn't have to have it like right up against the guitar where it was getting in the way. The interface I used, so I record in Pro Tools, that's my DAW, but Pro Tools or what DAW you're using isn't really going to affect, well, maybe it would, but uh, <laughs> that's just what I use, but uh, I don't think it would affect the sound too much. Now the reverb, I think I've mis-expressed myself with reverb because I, I talked about people overusing it. I should say, don't get me wrong, folks, I love reverb. I just don't like recordings where the reverb is smothering for like a solo classical guitar piece. And that's just my personal preference. Some people love it. Some people just love a huge reverb. But for what I did, my my general practice for guitar recording and what I did for those recordings is I used the reverb as a send. So I, I have my tr guitar track that I'm recording on and then I I don't put a reverb plug-in on that track. I put, I send it, I send a bus to an auxiliary track hosting the reverb. And that way I send some of the guitar signal to the reverb. And I like that. That's just kind of a, it's a method I learned once and it's, I, just, I like that you can control uh, how much of your guitar signal you want to send to the reverb and then find the you know how that sits in then you can also adjust you know your your balance between your raw guitar and your reverb track and it, it just gives some flexibility I, I find doing it that way you can actually use a fairly nice big room you could use like a big church and still manage to have the guitar closer so it doesn't sound like the guitar is a mile away but you're still getting the 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 nice big broad effect of that reverb and a lot of that is just trial and error and and tweaking settings i use a a theater i'll get into what reverb i use but i i use a you know that it's got like small chambers to like huge halls to like you know <laughs> one of them is indoor swimming pool right um I use this theater, but I size down the room. I, I put it like at 80%. There's a size parameter. You know, little adjustments like that till you find just like what you're liking. But that's the setup I use. The reverb is the Waves Renaissance reverb. I got the whole Renaissance bundle. And Waves, that bundle, it's not cheap but it's not really that expensive also in terms of the world of plugins it's actually a pretty reasonably priced bundle and waves is constantly having great sales like really really good sales like sometimes 50% off or more and you know I would recommend just watching that because they they'll have a sale for every holiday and and snag that when it's on sale or you can just buy you know that comes with compressors and all kinds of great plugins it it's also got some uh, stuff I like for it's got a compressor called Renaissance Axe I really like that one for electric guitar recording anyway you can also just buy the plain old Renaissance reverb and that's only like 30 bucks and that's what I use that's what I'm using on this podcast I have my voice recording dry into this mic and I just have a very small very small 
amount of my voice hitting the reverb just to just to warm things up a bit. Okay, so and I I would recommend that I do use different mics these days though to record guitar and I haven't recorded a classical guitar piece with my new mics yet. I need to finish. I know I need to finish my compositions. Instead, I'm working on soffit and fascia and axles, but I have done some recordings uh, with the new mics, like uh, a friend of mine, Jeremy, Jeremy that was on the Halloween show, did an arrangement for a funeral, and I recorded some guitar stuff for that funeral, and I love my new mics. So now I'm recording using a matched stereo pair. Okay, with that, let's move on to some music and call it a show. For this episode, we're going to be returning to the music of Etienne de Laveau. Etienne has recorded an incredible amount of music and uh, has really sent me quite a bit to draw from. And so I'm going to uh, just throw out a couple of his pieces here. And I guess I should say this is the point where I recommend pausing the podcast and refilling that iced tea as we prepare to hear some great music but I guess I forgot because uh, it's not an iced tea night it's too late just we're going straight up iced water tonight okay so I've selected three pieces um ATN I'm I'm can't stress enough this is an impressive amount of recordings and compositions that he has put together and they're nice recordings I gotta say, ATN, whatever you're using sounds very nice. So he has this collection. I hope I am getting this right, ATN. But there, this collection called the Five Seasons of Guitar, which I believe is ATN's complete works over several decades, and uh, I highly, highly recommend checking out his YouTube page. Um, there's tons of content there, and I'll put a link to that on the website for this episode. So, Etienne recommended uh, this piece, The Rose Garden. So I went into the autumn section of this collection where The Rose Garden is, and I selected at random two others that were next to The Rose Garden. Um, There is a massive amount of music here to choose from, so I will periodically and very happily feature more music of ATNs on this show. But today we will hear The Rose Garden, followed by... Okay, of course I uh, picked a piece that I can't pronounce. Lueso de Passage, which I believe would translate to something like Bird of Passage, after some quick research on the internet. And then lastly, we will finish with a piece titled The She-Oak on the Hill. I've selected these somewhat at random. I haven't heard them, so I am hearing them along with all of you for the first time, and I'm very much looking forward to this. So here are three pieces by Etienne Delaveau.
And there it is. We've just heard three pieces by Etienne Delaveau. Thank you, as always, Etienne. And again, I recommend everyone check out his YouTube page. I'll put a link to it on the website. Real quick, I just thought of one other little tidbit about the Grateful Dead. They have a song that I think is really cool in that it's our song, meaning us Utah people where I live. I guess it's technically a Bob Weir song. The Grateful Dead rarely played it. I think they only played it a handful of times. But it'd be the song Salt Lake City. <laughs> Salt Lake City is such a great little song. And it's rarely played, but we always get it when Bob Weir comes passing through town. <laughs> it's really cool. And I have this friend, Keith, who... He's from California, but he was moving to Utah a long time ago. I think in the late 80s. And he was at a Grateful Dead show somewhere, and he was kind of feeling a little depressed about moving to Utah. And I don't really remember the circumstances or why, but uh, they happened to play Salt Lake City at the show he was at. And he just, like, thought it was the coolest thing ever. And it is. I mean, that that's a rarely played song outside of Salt Lake City. So we do have that special song. And that came to mind as we're talking about Grateful Dead, just something that something that just simply gives me great pleasure. With that, I'm going to call it a show. Thank you for the music and for the emails. I may uh, get to you in June. If not, I'll be back in July. And until then, keep on plucking.